0: Markel welcome to another episode of the Inspired Nomads series with a special twist because I am currently making this a pandemic series so unlike previous episodes where we completely focused on the nature of full-time travel how to afford it and so forth we're going to add in lots of relevant questions and information about living through the pandemic and what it's like to be a traveler during these times So, welcome tonight, and by the way, I am in, still, I'm New Zealand, uh, way up north of the North Island. And tonight, my first Pandemic Series guest is Victoria Osborne. So, Victoria, welcome, and can you tell us a little bit bit about yourself and where you are right now? Thank you,
1: Hida. Well, I'm uh, not wearing a mask. I'm sorry about that. Uh, But uh, I've been wearing one most of the day because I'm in Melbourne and we are in lockdown with the mandatory face covering, uh, which is great for Melbourne because Melbourne is a very stylish, fashionable um, area and so everybody's got out the sewing machines and they've made themselves gorgeous masks. I saw someone the other day wearing a, a leopard print mask with matching leopard print accessories on her outfit and uh i went into a shop it was actually a costumier shop and they have little badges and decorations so you can put them on your mask things like if you can see this you're too close or wash your damn hands uh because sadly melbourne's numbers are going up which is yeah mm. yeah i'm
0: sorry to hear that (laughs) um where so um Tell us a little bit about, I know you've, you've been a traveler up to recent time, so how long were you traveling and whereabouts in the world?
1: Okay, so I left uh, Melbourne on um, the 19th of April, 2016, and uh, I was on my way to Spain to do the Camino de Santiago, uh, Del Norte and Primitivo, uh, and I was going... Um, to spend a gap year in Spain uh, working in a primary school but I didn't know where at that stage. So that's what I knew when I left uh, Melbourne and I went to Hong Kong where I used to live as a child for a couple of years uh, and sort of walked around the childhood areas uh, and then flew into Madrid and I did an intensivo, language intensivo there. Uh, went to a, a puppet festival called Titori Mundi in Segovia which was Segovia was amazing because I don't know if you've been there, but it's got one of the ancient Roman viaducts. And I got off this bus and I had to try and find the Airbnb and it was really hot and sweaty. I had all the stupid luggage and it was mad. And then I turned around a corner and poof, there was this like history. And the things made with no mortar, it's just rocks. And, um, you know, blokes made it wearing sandals and skirts, you know. It's just yep. like, that. there's nothing like that in Australia and New Zealand.
0: Mm. And,
1: you know, that was the sort of first big culture shock that I had. So anyway, then I went up to um, San Sebastian where there was another puppet festival, Unima, which is the international puppetry community, have a, a quarterly, no, every four years, every four years, um, uh, party and um so i was that's why i was doing the camino del norte because i was in san sebastian so that's a nice country and then uh so i was you know this is it i was having my big life-changing adventure and uh, so i marched all along the camino and it was fantastic it was amazing um you know got to the end of the world and uh, then went down and spent 10 months in a, a small uh, school high school it turned out to be uh in palafoles which is about two hours north of barcelona and uh then uh, they offered me a chance to renew and i said well yes i could have another gap year but my husband said no and uh, so that was the end of the marriage so i then spent the next three years um, repeating the exercise but i went back up north to asturias for 10 months and then down to sevilla Uh, so i worked in three different provinces of spain but i also traveled extensively through spain and um, then i traveled a lot through europe because i met people from the camino and so i spent you know went as far north as um um, Copenh- oh, well actually Denmark uh, and um, then Germany and France and a fair bit of time in England yeah so all up I was away for four years and then I decided when I was heading back I, I really couldn't fly so I had to spend about three months planning my journey from England to uh, Australia and New Zealand uh, without flying. And, uh, and that was so, because of
0: the pandemic you didn't want to fly? Or, um... No, no,
1: no. I didn't want to fly because of the pollution. Uh, so I didn't want oh. to be a par- parcel of you know, carbon emissions. Uh, and uh, no, the pandemic wasn't a blip on the radar at all that stage and because and I actually came through China, Taiwan, um, and then caught a container ship down to Brisbane wow. and then to Auckland. Yeah, so container ship's pretty cool. And I was passenger only one on my first container ship so that was fun uh yeah and then um uh so uh, i had to come back to melbourne to do you know end of marriage business um so i was aiming here anyway um you know and kind of thought oh well i'll get a job for a year and then buzz off back to italy where i never visited and of course um that's not happening so um jobs are you know, now online, I'm teaching English online. Um,
0: And um, there you are, that's it, I'm here in Melbourne. Yeah, so for the four years that you were traveling, um, Mm -hmm. can you say a little bit about, you know, how did you afford that? And how did you get to stay in each region for a long time? Okay,
1: so the Conversation Auxiliares, um, uh, like there's thousands of them in Spain. and uh I'm kind of like pretty rare and old. Normally they're well, I was a recentish graduate, but uh, normally the, the gig is for young graduates and there's um native English speakers, there's also Italians and Germans and French, but mainly English, because the Spanish government wants like a certain percentage of the curriculum to be taught in English. Of course, Spanish teachers are Spanish, so they're English. Uh, is not entirely fluent sometimes. And uh, Spanish children uh, believe that Star Wars is a Spanish film because they don't have uh, subtitles in their cinemas. Oh, So wow. uh, they, they have, you know, special Spanish actors, um, which is great for the actors. So every, you know, sort of famous American actor has a Spanish equivalent to voice them in
0: okay
1: yeah British norms yeah so uh, Spanish children actually like me when I first landed in Spain was like what do you mean you don't speak English you don't understand me (laughs) Um, actually most people do have a little bit but um, a a little bit of Spanish Uh, then um, uh, so yeah I could understand the children who simply did not believe that I didn't understand them what do you mean yeah, yeah yeah so cool. that's that's a good thing you get paid enough i got paid 700 euros a month okay. uh, which is getting a bit tight in seville because it's very expensive in seville but in right. small country towns you can still you know find landlords who are, can you know rent you nice places for yep. um you know 350 a month um And then you've got three hundred and fifty for food and power and Wi-Fi or whatever or extra stuff. So that's quite doable. Um, And then uh, I had a small little apartment here, so I had the rent from that. So I saved all that up, and then I could go, you know, down to Cordoba for you know a long weekend, or I could go to Granada, or I could you know, shoot around and go and do travel on on the, the proceeds of that. Yeah.
0: And I have to ask because many people know that I love cows and bulls. You were in Astorias and my recollection when I was there is there was a huge industry around t-shirts and stuff with a cow from Astorias. Like a really funny, it was like hilarious um, slogans and stuff that like um, vacaciones with a vaca and like this, it was like a really funny line. Did you see that there? Uh,
1: maybe, I mean, it's, it's the dairy capital of Spain, I suppose. Because you know, okay. they're all along the north coast. So when you do the Camino, they're just walking through heaps and heaps of cows. Um, you know, and unfortunately, <laughs> pig shit. You know, because they spray the fields with pig shit, and the pigs are all in cupboards. Um okay. But you know, that's all over the world. Um, yeah. No, the Asturias is big on cows, and of course, they. I don't. I don't think no. Asturias no. Asturias is um, quite. Um, progressive. It's a, um, not very fond of um, uh, bullfighting. Whereas further down south, you get the the bullfighting. Yeah, Asturias is cows and sheep. Yeah, I mean, sorry, cow, um, cheese, cheese, lots of cheese, cheese. Okay. <laughs> but I don't eat that because so, uh, I'm vegan, so I'm not gotcha. really up with. I'm not really up with delicacies and seafood. <laughs>
0: Um, So uh, coming back to what you said earlier, you did your four years of travel, you came um, back to Australia, figuring that you would work for a year and then go out to Italy and then the pandemic hit. (laughs) So um, what was the experience like for you as as a traveler that was really happy to be traveling and looking forward to traveling again? What were your first feelings that you remember about the travel slowing and stopping?
1: Uh, well, the, interestingly, the pandemic sort of chased me from New Zealand um, and because obviously we were aware that, um, you know, various countries, you know, obviously China, Italy, Spain, you know, that kind of domino thing going on, the horrifying. Um, yeah. uh, so when I came on the container ship from New Zealand to Brisbane, um, then that's when I was given my first sort of official notice that your behaviour now has to change because of the virus. So that was it, there's no more hugging after that. Um, So uh, then by the time I got to Melbourne, I was staying in a youth hostel uh, and gradually, gradually we were separated. Um, You know, we were given masks if we wanted to, you know, protect people from our coughs and sniffles um separating more and um, people you know the canadians went home the um americans went home the italians like poor things because you know like the spanish it's you know, all this hugging was just normal you know we have to touch each other and there was a sort of grief from those young people that they couldn't hug anymore that was really pretty sad you know like yeah. they i did yeah <laughs> yeah and, and, you go, guys, guys, social distancing.
0: And they go, no, 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 this is my friend. Yeah. It, it's very hard. I met, I met some Argentinians here within the, while we were still social distancing, and they tried to kiss me, and I really wanted to, but I had to be like, we can't. It was terrible. That's really no, bad.
1: That's right. Well, see, I'm a big advocate for curtsies and bows. Mm. so you know you can do your namaste business that's fine but i, I like a nice bow and uh, i think curtsies you know yeah you don't have to be a particular gender to curtsy you can make some lovely you know floral kind of movements as you bow and yeah it's quite amusing really Actually, I, I don't approve of the elbow bumps i think they're just silly I'm graceful <laughs> I'm graceful
0: um, so, and you mentioned too, um, cause you know, as a full-time traveler, I think we're creative in our work experiences. We're kind of working along the travel or we've really saved up and we're spending or, you know, multitudes of things. Now you're back and looking for income. And as you said, it's gone mostly online and you did, do, yep. you're doing teaching. Like what else, What? how has that experience been for you? Uh, actually, it's been um quite tiring
1: really (laughs) because um you know every everything you apply for online you have to make a video for or you have to do this task or sieve that mountain full of sand or you know like it's just like endless training 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 um so i've done the full training for two online school well actually i'm just they've just accepted me for my third online school um I don't think i have to do any training for that but i've had to i had to go like oh it's rigorous questions all the time um and uh yeah so just endless endless unpaid sitting at the computer doing quizzes and you know all that um yep. but now i'm actually getting students um i mean the one i'm with is quite big um so i don't see them again i just see a student and a student every half an hour so not two students whatever Um, Yeah, so I think now I'm kind of through that training entry portal and, uh, you know, the the ones that train us that, you know, like there was was a girl who's based in um, Serbia and she had been doing it for four years and she was just like super relaxed and just, you know, knew how to do it. So I think you get into a rhythm. Um, Yeah. But having it online, it's not very well paid. And I think, you know, to make money, you have to be in front of the computer the whole time. Right. Um, and this is the one that I'm with is Taipei Time. Um, so uh, it's night times and weekends. So I've also, I've also joined on with a care organisation. So, in fact, today I've done three hours house cleaning for some elderly people, who, um, which is why I was in a mask and gloves. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, um, so and I've I also got another cleaning thing. So I'm just picking up bits and bobs around. Yep. Mm. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. I, and I, um, you know, I'm just thinking, cause um, you know, there's so much change happening in the world and so many people are losing their jobs. And I feel like those of us that have gone out into the world and traveled full time, it sort of put us at an advantage now because um, if we couldn't find a job in a corporation, we're already used to like doing, the house cleaning and the you know the random service kind of jobs so this is like
1: right. doing work away you know you know just did like anything that people wanted you to do yeah and um, you know in a friendly kind of environment and that's sort of similar to the caring thing really i mean you know luckily the caring thing to pay money but work right. away you got paid in, in food and board and yeah. um, you know so i was really lucky with my workaways because and when I started the Workaways, um, I was particularly interested in staying in um, 16th century French farmhouses and, mm. um, and English. Uh, I stayed in a gamekeeper's cottage too. Um, so I was really lucky for my, my writing project um, that I got to, to live and work in these historic places yeah. Um, at the same time, yeah. You know, so I, I don't know. I did all sorts of things, you know, gardening and chopping wood, and and, and, yeah. and yeah, like you say, the travel thing makes you flexible. I, I think yeah. you know, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter where you sleep because you,
0: you're going to get up and go. <laughs> Absolutely, I know. I like having slept in my own bed and forever. I don't even know. Actually, I gave up my home, so I slept in my own bed for years. (laughs) And that that was like a huge, big, big adventure
1: that I did. I just actually bought a new mattress. I was like,
0: oh my god, yeah. What's, so how are you finding, because I, I mean, I have a host of feelings about um, being a nomad and now it's like, well, in my case, I'm like an expat, but I guess you're kind of like repat. Um, like you have a home now. <laughs> yeah, sort of. there, that's right. yeah, what's that no, like well, for you? I, I'm so lucky because,
1: um, you know, well, like, it's not my family home because I don't have an official family anymore. Um, I, mean, I have a beautiful son but um he lives with his dad so um and we're in lockdown so I don't see him um and like uh I was so lucky because I had a, a group of mums who all um, went to the same school as you know our children and we were like the the committee. and um so I was able to sort of uh, say help and you know various ones brought over a table and it, someone bought a chair and someone brought me some pillows and someone brought me some tea towels and some bowls and some cups and some pots and wow you know so oh gosh i was so grateful and so lucky oh my god and in fact these tea towels oh they, they, <laughs> you know they, they came from um my my beloved friends so I'm really, really lucky, they, you know. And they bought me just like, you know, a, a peeler and a little knife for the vegetables, and and a, you know, a sieve and a toaster, you know.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's so, so nice. And I feel like I don't, um, I I think traveling also another adjustment is like accepting help from people. Um, which I found, you know, I I so it's fine line for me. I don't mean like, um just expecting everyone to help you but it's like i'm so used to being independent and as i've traveled i've had to get used to people wanting to help and that it was okay to say thank you so much i really appreciate that um so i think that what a great beautiful situation you find yourself in and that that is there for you and that you're able to accept it yeah um, i
1: listened to one other of your podcasts when you were talking about that and that's that it really struck a note for me because yeah i was always the one who was running around helping everybody else you know and um didn't want to be a burden to anybody or you know and and that really changed um i'm not sure if it's one of the podcasts too that like the they um the all the airbnbs that i ever stay in i've stayed in at least at least 30 probably close to 40 airbnbs now um, all, uh, you know, mums. So um, that, that the, there was one woman in um, Prague and she, she in, her, um, por- in her portrait of herself, she described herself as being in, of the golden age. And there's something about, um, you know, because that's how women can afford, well, they, you know, they've got an empty nest. So a lot of them are single. And they've got the kids have gone. So they've got the, the kids' bedrooms. So you're often staying in the kids' bedrooms. And there's a sort of um, simpatico camaraderie with mums. Um, so uh, yeah. that's kind of like a, a load of gold, golden age people that I've been very lucky to to connect
0: with. Yep. Beautiful. So mm. So now for the foreseeable future, because I'm, I'm, I'm so bummed about um, how Australia has been going one because I just think it's terrible when you know it was going so well and then it goes the other direction. Um, Also, I was hoping to go to Australia. um, But, um, but so now you're going to be there for the foreseeable future without really being able to travel anywhere. Uh, maybe things will open domestically or bubbles or whatever, but um, how is that landing with you and what are you feeling about that?
1: Well, um, I mean, realistically, I don't think, um, you know, we're going very far without a vaccine now um, globally. You know, when you look at people who are trying to open and now they have to close again. Um, And also like people just have to be respectful of each other you know like uh, the mask wearing thing like it's it's seriously not a problem in melbourne touch wood Um, um because um i i don't know why melbourne's particularly different but there there's like a sense that um you know obviously you wash your hands and you social distance but you just don't i mean you know how when you get close to people, you can smell their shampoo or you can smell, yeah. you know, people's aftershave? If you can smell someone's shampoo, like, when they're talking, then you're going to, when I'm talking, you know, like you're lucky you're protected. Um, you know, like, why not keep your spit to yourself? <laughs> it's like, right. It seems like common sense, doesn't yeah. it? I want to protect yeah. you and you want to protect me. And isn't that the sort of
0: society that we want to live in where we're going to look after each other? I agree, yes, you know I, I try to be um, on the subject of you know all this all these different attitudes about masks. Um, I mean I have a very hard time watching what's happening in America um, yeah. the irony that
1: you know the irony
0: that I said to my mother um, when when i see the headlines about america you know i said to her if you and i were sitting together in america reading these same headlines about any other country that i was planning to visit you would tell me not to go there (laughs) and she agreed Um, so i'm you know i look at the how fortunate i am that in new zealand everyone pulled together and worked as a we Um, and that's exactly not what i'm seeing in america and you know, I don't, I don't understand, I agree with you, I think it's hard, um, I don't like wearing a mask. I mean, I'm so unlucky at the moment here in New Zealand, we don't have to, but um, I would have a very hard time wearing a mask, I don't like them, <laughs> they fog up my glasses, you know, I get it, I, right, I, right. I, would, I would wear it because I wanna protect my own parents and I wanna protect other people's parents and grandparents and whoever else um yeah. so i, I don't I, I agree it sucks um but um if it's if we're protecting other people i don't know why we can't uh, okay maybe it's an infringement on our freedom and other things i don't know but but if there's even the slight chance you could save someone by wearing it despite that why not go that route <laughs> i don't get it so yeah, yeah. Right. well you should google the fog up glasses thing i saw someone on the internet he just
1: put like a little tissue and yeah. it's it, yeah the tissue kind of like uh, just it worked so it just oh, absorbed okay. that little bit of moisture so you know those people have got all tricks like okay, a costumier that i know she's um she's going to do some felt experiments put like a little strip of felt to help people's yeah. glasses. Yeah, so yeah. there's all sorts of tricks. But yeah, I mean, you know, there'll be a vaccine sooner or later. There's what they said, something like 163 different organisations trying to whip up a vaccine. So even if the greedy bastards get there first and start making a profit, then the other people will come up with something that they won't make a profit from so right. you know sooner or later there'll be, you know, good people doing the right thing to help the world. You know yeah. it's a, like i mean if there's one thing that the crisis has shown us that we can you know theoretically work together to as, as a globe you know like it's not just it, it went through countries like dominoes but it has no sense of border there, there's no kind of you can't say that the virus will you know unless you're in new zealand or in, you know it's an island so um yes okay virus you're not getting off here but um you know it's the ideas of borders become nonsense and so we have to sort of start thinking well no it's the world and that's the same with the climate you know and we have to start thinking well you know if the virus can blow over there then the carbon emissions are going to blow over there too so you know and and my my thing about the state of australia at the moment is come on you want to get this the economy going again create jobs (laughs) build a train line you know build a really fast there's no fast trains in australia and there isn't in the states either
0: right
1: yeah and that would be you know using australian steel you could you'd spend the money that's supposedly earmarked for long range missiles or something, but you know, it's Australia and New Zealand are so far behind Europe and Asia. And, yep. and even the Saudis are building a fast track, you know, like, and they love the petrol. Yeah. You know, Australia and New Zealand are going to be way behind. And the other thing that I learned on my container ship journey is that the containers coming from Asia, from China and Taiwan are full of stuff, you know, like all the washing machines and you know, iPads and all that. That comes on those container ships. When I mean, PPE. Um, they're not made in Australia or New Zealand. And right. the container ships going back are mostly empty. Right? No, yeah. That's yeah. nuts. So the the both Australia and New Zealand have to go, okay, what raw materials have we got here right now? What yeah. can we make? How can we ramp up manufacturing? You know, and it just seems like really obvious to me because I've had that travel experience. Yeah, you know, and being on those fast trains. Yeah. But not the um, not the Trans-Siberian, Trans-Mongolian. That's not a fast train.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah. what what are your thoughts on the future of travel? Like anything that you want to say about that topic well that, that like you come on i just I, I i think airports
1: should be dead in the water you know like it, that should be for essential traf- travel only and you know my heart sank when i learned that beijing was opening a new airport i mean it's gigantic you know i think people really don't know how big these big airports are you know paris then london, london. london's got five airports you know, the amount of air traffic is just insane. And now I get the sense, like the first lockdown when I was walking around, I got the sense that trees are sort of going, oh, you know, because they're not being rained on all the time by, you know, remnants of air gas. Yep. And I think that, that now we've got a chance to actually take a breath, listen to the bird song, and go, what sort of world do we want? Because generally after a pandemic, something new comes, you know? Like after the medieval pandemic, there was the enlightenment, you know? And I think this is the time when we could become enlightened and we could go, we're in one world. Sure, travel, learn from each other, you know? But gosh, we've got Zoom. We We can talk to people anywhere in the world know there might be a little lag but isn't that magic mm, yep just fantastic and imagine yep. you know in in you know 100 years ago with the spanish flu which came from the states um <laughs> the, but imagine you know what they were sitting reading books And yep. you know that was that was like their netflix right we're really lucky we're really, really lucky. So, so all um, we have to do is wait for a vaccine and we're set.
0: So when that vaccine comes, do you, I mean, do you see, you think travel will go back to, well, like it is now with all the airplanes and stuff internationally, or what do you think it will? Well, you know,
1: it's not just I feel sorry for people losing their jobs. Um, you know, I, I am deeply interested in seeing airlines, train people to run trains you know Mm. I think um, you know if if you've been on the Eurostar from London to Paris or you know any of the fast trains in China um, they'd like aeroplanes and why we can't think in terms of travel which is you know just as fast if not faster it's smart, it's clean. Yeah, of course, the creation and manufacture of these things, like they're going to take energy. But once they're built, uh, why can't they work? You know, what, what's the problem? And, and air is, like, they, they're doing some research. I spoke to a pilot on, on the, on the um, Trans-Mongolian train, and he's going, oh, no, they're, they're not going to have, there's no electric trains, I mean, uh, airplanes. Um, KLM is interesting. That's the Netherlands airline. Yeah. They uh, are actually investing in biofuels made from seaweed. Um, and apparently some flights are on seaweed now. Um, but they've also cut all short flights and they've invested in trains. So every, every flight less than an hour, I think, or it might be less than yeah. 40, 45 minutes, is that they're, they're on a train. So, you know it's it's entirely reasonable and we have to uh if we you know as humans want to survive we have to think of clean ways to go about our future and this is you know come on it's the mother
0: nature telling us giving us yeah. a little hint um that's, that's actually quite interesting i never even thought of that or heard of that that the idea of planes running on fuel that's better for the environment um yeah and the- Thank you. I think okay. it's
1: I think it's airy ferry and a lot of like that pilot that I spoke to, who's their New Zealand pilot, um, he, he said he wouldn't see it happening. He didn't see any change <laughs> in his industry right. for the next ten years. Well now he's got a big change, hasn't he? Yeah. So yeah. and those planes, you know, they cost a lot on the ground. So because they have to turn them over, you know, like a car has to be turned over every month. The airplanes have to be turned over and rolled around every day, apparently. So yeah. that's all going to yeah.
0: cost money. So, so yeah, but, w- take when the, the world off the
1: wheels and put them on a
0: train track. Yeah. Well, when the, world, when the world opens again and it's safe to go internationally and you can go to Italy finally, um, yep. do you think – I'm only speaking from what you know today, of course, like would you go back and what, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, obviously I have to catch a boat because I can't fly. Um, so – uh, hitching ride a container ship uh, you know they're filthy they're absolutely and super expensive too it's not a cheap way to go but if it's the only way to travel then um but apparently you can catch a boat from darwin to bali and then go by boat
0: up through indonesia but you know as you say who knows yeah yeah but that's really cool um that you know the idea of travel by boat and people may look well, at Boats are fantastic. I, I, you know what? I am going to disagree. I get seasick really easily. I have a small rise and not a boat fan. A fan of the environment, so I'm sorry about the, the flying, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> just
1: <laughs> – yeah. Well, I'm glad you're a fan of the environment. That's good because, you know, basically we do have to breathe and we all have to drink water. So, yeah, you know. That, that, yeah. That, you know, if you play SimCity – yeah, and it's just it's one of those things. You've got to pay attention to your air and water quality. And I'm not sure that uh, you know we help each other enough. Like we've got to be good neighbours because like their water and their air is coming here. You know, right. but selfishly, I I need to look look up. You know. I need to look after everybody. Same thing with the masks.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Otherwise humans are stuffed and then it's probably actually a good thing because if we can't work together to save ourselves, then.
0: Yeah. I I hope working together will become, you know, a popular trend of the future. Um, So um any other kind of comments or insights that you'd like to share with the audience on traveling or you know being in the times of the pandemic and someone that's listening that is a traveler and misses travel so much like how they might cope with the short term of not being able to travel
1: well i'm a big micro traveler so you know because i i don't drive either um But I get out and I walk. So, you know, you can walk around all sorts of little corners and streets and spy on people's lands and gardens and, you know, not really do they, oh, what are they doing, you know. Um, So you can go places you've never been and meet people you've never met and, and, you know, enjoy cultures you've never enjoyed before. Probably within most, certainly if you're in a city, you know, you just need to walk six blocks and, uh, you know, you've probably not met that person. So, yeah, just, uh, just reel it in. And, uh, you know, being in lockdown, we're reeled in quite hard here. But most places in the world, you can, you know, jump on a, a bus and go for a walk by a river and, um, you know, pretend. Right. Mm. <laughs> That's and plan that's okay. <laughs> i met somebody who um who was um, was supposed to be in italy now um and they're still waiting for their refund back but um i said to her you know well come on one of the most exciting parts of travel is the planning you know where exactly do you want to go like, what beach do you want to be
0: at like, yeah oh I love, that's great i love that what great tips Um, well, thank you. I, um, this has been, so again, this is the first pandemic interview and, um, this has been really insightful and you've given some great information and, um, great feelings about everything that's happening. And I was wondering if someone listening wanted to reach out to you and ask any questions, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Well, probably check out my blog, uh, because I blogged particularly that, that, um, travel from England to Oz and NZ, um, you know that that was a six week pretty epic journey. Um, so yeah. I've got a huge blog, of the, a bit too long really, but lots of photos. You can just skip through and look at the photos. Um, okay. So that's dub um, dub uh, dub our relationship with nature dot com, and then cool. you know the links and all the um, about me stuff about what I've been doing and um, my interests.
0: Great. Cool, well thank you again so much for, um, for being a guest And if you are watching or listening to this episode and you would like to be a future guest, especially in the pandemic, um, if you are a a former full-time traveler and you now can't travel and you would like to share your thoughts and opinions, I'd love to hear from you. You can apply to be on the show at www.interviewquestionnaire.com. Also, feel free to reach out to me with any feedback or questions you'd like to see me ask future guests at heather at heathermarkell.com. Dot com. And once again, this has been another episode of the Inspired Nomads. Thank you so much for listening or watching, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you, Hida. <laughs>